Tell him you love him. Oh, yes, Lord Jesus, we love you. When we think of your death on the cross, no greater love has anyone than this. That a man should lay down his life for his friends. That was exactly what you did. We can never say enough thank yous. Thank you. We're grateful. We have so much to thank you for. So much. So much. <laughs> Life is a gift. Every day is a gift. We thank you for health. Thank you for family. Thank you for relationships. Lord, we thank you for friends. We thank you for freedom of worship that we are able to come together today to worship you in freedom. We thank you. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for deliverance from oppression. Thank you for all your blessings in our lives. Miracles of provision. Thank you for our careers. Thank you, we have jobs. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Accept our worship. In Jesus' mighty name. Well, someone say, good amen. amen. Has God been good to you? <laughs> He's been good to me. <laughs> and if God's been good to you, you need to show it, isn't it? Amen. So please tell someone sitting next to you, God's been good to me. Amen. <laughs> well, such an awesome blessing to be here this morning. Um, Nick and I are especially so grateful to God for Pastor Bank and for Pastor Sharon. I think you have the best pastors in the world, don't you? <laughs> Like Pastor Bank said, we've known for so many years. I was youth pastor at the church in Nigeria when Pastor Bank came to minister. And I'm, sure, I'm so sure everyone who was there then at the conference will remember Pastor Bank till tomorrow. It was, for us, it was such a blast. The presence of the Holy Spirit was so, so powerful. In fact, I still remember some of the teachings. That's how impactful it was. Well, I'll say one thing though. Pastor Bank has not changed physically. <laughs> All those years. <laughs> Stayed the same. That's good, isn't it? Whoa. <laughs> okay, so I want to be like him in that respect, you know. <laughs> and we want to thank you because every time we've met since then, you, you've been so warm towards us. You've been loving and caring, and we really, really appreciate you. Thank you for your encouragement, you know. And, and Pastor Sharon, thank you so much. Because back then, in the learning, Pastor Sharon came all the way <laughs> to learning Quara State. Thank you for the encouragement. And, uh, well, the truth is, 
when we sow seeds. Ministry is seed sowing. We make investments, and, and the real seed is the word of God, like Jesus said. And, and the seeds that we sow, yes, you have different kinds of hearts, you know, different kinds of soils, but some soils bring forth a hundredfold. So we, we see the harvest of the seeds we sow. So I want to say a big thank you to you for those seeds that you sowed so many years back then. Thank you for the encouragement and the love. And thank you especially for the support for uh, the Real Woman Seminar yesterday. Oh, we're just so, so grateful. You altered your schedules just to be able to accommodate us and to be present. We thank you and for every one of you who came. Well, interestingly, in our family, we have a spokesperson. There's someone who does the talking. Just so happens I'm doing the preaching today, but there's someone who does the talking, and she does it better. So I'd like her to come say hello to you, if you don't mind. I call her my left ventricle. Uh, you wonder where I got that from, right? Okay, it was, when I was in school, I had a friend who was a medical student, and he told me he had been writing this letter to his girlfriend, and he had done 36 pages. As at the time he was telling me, you see the ways of a man with a woman, with a maid. Solomon said he couldn't understand it. I can't grasp it either. This guy was a medical student. They were the busiest in school. And he could write 36 pages. And he told me, he, he, he began by writing, my dear, my left ventricle. So I said, what is that? He said, it's a part of the heart. He said, if it packs up, you're dead. Ah, <laughs> I get it. So please welcome my left ventricle. <laughs> Good morning. It's a beautiful day, and we just celebrate your pastors, Pastor Bank and Pastor Sharon, and we celebrate you as a church. And we're so glad to be here, excited. It's such an interesting thing to be among believers in other nations. When you go to another nation just to fellowship with people in another church, it's very refreshing. Um, I know the Spirit of God is here. The worship was awesome. Mm -hmm. Everything so far has been awesome. And I know that the Word of God is going to make even a further difference in our lives this morning. Yeah. Yesterday was awesome also because Pastor Sharon was really so much part of the meeting. The meeting was in two parts. Or, well, should I say three or four parts? But the major part was I brought the word, and then we had the question and answer session where she joined me and another um, woman of God, Pastor. And she really, really encouraged a lot. You know, the questions, the women kept asking questions, some road questions in. We couldn't even get through all the questions. But she did so excellently well. The wisdom that was flowing, you know, even from as the three of us sat on the pulpit. Um, on the stage there, I found it very refreshing because that's the part where I don't have to, you know, say much. Thank you so much, Pastor Sharon, for taking our time. Thank you so much. You know, in spite of also what happened yesterday, that you had a funeral service, you know, and we just speak the comfort of the Holy Spirit upon that family and even upon the entire church family and take comfort in the fact that this man has gone to be with the Lord. So he's not in your past, but he's in your future. Thank you. I just want to encourage us that, you know, in these end times, it's the love of God that will make the key, that will make the difference. It's the key. Just recently, um, a few years ago, the Lord emphasized on my heart that 
Um, he said, you're a missionary of love. And I had not heard that word before. I heard missionary, and I knew that God had put in my heart compassion and love for people. But he further emphasized it, that indeed, that is the key. And it's the Holy Spirit that helps us to walk in love. Amen. Because his love is poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We have the ability to do it. Amen. Amen. And he said, the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. But the laborers need to go in with a heart of love. That in everything we do, it should be done in love. And that's the way that we're going to win people. Yes. Even leadership is through love. Love, because Jesus had compassion on the people. Mm -hmm. So he led them, and he didn't lead them astray. Amen. Amen. Because he loved them, the creativity came for provision to feed them. So in whatever uh, situation or whatever level we are or field where God has put us, I believe that as we let his love be enlarged in our heart, we will rise higher, praise Amen. God. The world is hurting, darkness covers the earth, deep darkness upon people's heart like never before. But he said, we will arise and his glory will be seen upon us. So when we arise in love, wherever we are, people will gravitate towards us because they want comfort. Amen. They want that encouragement. Amen. Amen. And I know that that will be the signature of our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Fasten your seatbelt because this man is a great teacher of God. Amen. I've grown under his ministry. Amen. We've been married for 21 years now and a half. I've grown under his ministry. Amen. And I know today God will do something new in our lives. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Okay. Um, when I'm speaking in the church for the first time, or maybe uh, I have powerful ministers sitting, sometimes I get apprehensive about what to say. <clears throat> I know that Pastor Sharon and Pastor Bank are very powerful teachers. So I'm wondering what to say to you. That's going to be new. So when I find myself in a situation like that, <clears throat> then I try to take as much time as possible to greet. <laughs> so that there won't be that much time left for the preaching. You understand? <laughs> I can get out of here quickly. <laughs> okay. Let me appreciate uh, my dear sister, BC. She heads... Uh, the, our women's ministry in Daystar Christian Center in, in Lagos, Nigeria. And she came uh, to support uh, Nike for the seminar yesterday. A lawyer by training. God bless you. Nice to see you. Encouraging to have you here. Good. <clears throat> All right. Who else do I know that I want to greet? <laughs> Okay, Isaiah 32, I'll be reading from Isaiah chapter 32, verses 12 to 15. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Isaiah chapter 32, verses 12 to 15. It reads, People shall mourn upon their breasts for the pleasant fields for the fruitful vine. 
On the land of my people will come up thorns and briars, yes, on all the happy homes in the joyous city, because the palaces will be forsaken, the bustling city will be deserted, the forts and towns will become lairs forever, a joy of wild donkeys, a pasture of flocks, until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field is counted as a forest. I'll title our discussion this morning, The Game Changer. Have you ever seen a coach introduce a player, maybe during a soccer match or a football match, who within a few minutes scored a touchdown or a goal? Within a few minutes. You know, I've seen that over and over and over so many times. We call that person who comes in and changes, you know, the structure of the game, the game changer. Someone came into my life some years ago and everything changed. And I want to talk about him this morning. So it's more like sharing a testimony with you. Amen. <laughs> and this game changer is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. I'll talk about how he's affected me on three levels. How he's affected me spiritually, how he's affected my soul, how he's affected my physical body. Believing that as I bear witness of him, as I talk about him, he will do in someone's life here today what is done in my life. Amen. As a confirmation that what I'm saying is true. Amen. And uh, this is not the kind of a message where you want to preach a powerful sermon. It's the kind where you're trusting God for impartation. Amen. Because grace is transferable. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Oh, yes, I'm, I'm trusting God that the Holy Spirit will do something special in someone's life in such a way that today will become for someone a reference point. Amen. A day that someone will not forget in a long time. I mean that for someone today will be the beginning of a new chapter in your life. Amen. The, the Holy Spirit will just flip the page and then you'll have a new beginning. Amen. Amen. For someone, it will be the dawn of a new day. Amen. 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 All right. So the Holy Spirit has affected me spiritually. I want to see the description there in Isaiah 32, which we read. Everything is gone bad. Uh, the joy in the land is gone. Instead of crops, now you have thorns and briars. You know, the palaces forsaken, the bustling city deserted, the forts and towers have now become lairs forever, the joy of wild donkeys, where human beings used to be before, now you have wild animals, everything has gone down. Verse, five, verse 15 says, until, hallelujah, <laughs> until the game changer comes in, until the spirit is poured upon us from on high. It says that the wilderness, the desert will become a fruitful field. 
the fruitful field will become counted as a forest. So even if things were working in your life until today, God's taking you to a higher level. Oh my. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. I can sense it. I can sense it. Change has come. Isaiah, uh, uh, sorry, Psalm 102 verse 13 says, You will arise and have mercy on Zion. For the time to favor her, yes, the set time has come. It's God that creates the seasons. And I came to announce for someone a new season. It's a season of fruitfulness. Barrenness is terminated in this service. It's it's a season of fruitfulness. (laughs) What wasn't working will begin to work now. It's as simple as that. When God says the season has changed, it has changed. And someone's going to walk out of this service and you'll find out what didn't work yesterday is working now. It's working now. Amen. (laughs) The season's just changed. That's it. All right. So the Holy Spirit, my game changer, affected me spiritually, affected my spiritual life. You know, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, and I'll read this from the Amplified Version of the Bible. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking parts which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. I tell you, when I think about the Holy Spirit as my game changer, the, the big thing he did for me was to put me in alignment with my destiny. For me to come into the realization that I am not a biological accident. I don't exist just because a man and a woman slept together. In fact, I now realize that a man and a woman had to sleep together because I had to come here on this planet. It's it's so comforting, so reassuring for me to know my life was planned. My life was planned. You know, he says he wants us to do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking parts which he prepared ahead of time. You've been talking about rest? Oh, yes. That's how I describe it. From Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. Am I in queue with the Holy Spirit here? Oh, my God. That's what... (laughs) Oh, my. That's how I describe it, and that's part of what he told me to say. Hebrews 4 from verse 1. Therefore, since the promise remains of entering his rest... Let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they had did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who had it. Verse 3, for we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said. So I saw in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Now this is the part that trips me. Although the works were finished, from the foundation of the world. (laughs) Oh my. There's something about doing work that has been finished. 
Mateleo. See, when what you're doing on earth is what God has done in heaven, it's sweet. Yes. That's why the Bible calls it rest. Yes. See, it's one thing for you to be working. It's another thing entirely for you and God to be working. Yes. See, it just reminds me of the mouse that was riding on an elephant and, and they crossed the bridge. And when they did, the mouse said, we shook that bridge, man. We shook that bridge. <laughs> a, a, a mouse, you shook nothing. It was the elephant that did the job, okay? <laughs> so, but, but when God is in your life and you're doing what God has finished, you know, I, I think about Israel because this passage is describing Israel yes. and their journey to Canaan. Yes. And God said to them, I'm going to drive out all those Jebusites and Girgashites and Hevites, all the heights. I'm going to drive them out from before you. But when they got there, they still saw them. Yes. So what's going on? God said he was going to drive them away. This is why. When God said, I'm driving them out, it was spiritual. God left the physical one for the Israelites. You, you know, okay, I, I tell people the first introduction you have to God, the first attribute of God you have in the Bible, Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, is his creativity. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay? To create means to bring into existence something that never existed before. When you have that capacity, you can never be stranded. Never. If what you want is not in existence, you create it. You can't be stranded. And then in Genesis 1.26, the Bible says that God created man in his own image, after his likeness. So what do you think the Bible was talking about there? Not his physical likeness. He doesn't have a physical body. It's his nature. We are co-creators with God. We have the God-given capacity to bring into existence things that never existed before. And that's why when God did the work of creation in Genesis 1, he only started it, he didn't finish it. There is a lot God could have done, much more than what he did in Genesis 1. He created trees, he didn't make any furniture for Adam. He created cotton in the fields, he didn't make any shirts for Adam. Okay. <clears throat> he put wool on the back of sheep. He didn't make any coats for Adam. He could have be- created all the computers we'll ever need in this world. He could have built all the buildings. He could have created all the jumbo jets we'll ever need in this world. Why didn't he? If he had done everything and then given us the power to create, there would have been nothing for us to create. That's right. It would have been frustrating. So he only did the foundational work of creation he left the rest to us. Wow. <laughs> wow. Listen, even the creation of human beings, because the human being is the most valuable asset on this planet. Even when it came to the creation of human God could have created 10 billion human beings at the same time. I'm telling you, when he molded Adam, he could have molded 10 billion. When he breathed into Adam's nostrils, 10 billion human beings could have stood upright. God chose to create only the first man and the first woman left the rest of the job to us. 
So we bring into existence human beings that never existed before. We're more powerful than we think we are. But we discover our potentials only when we are in alignment with our destinies. He planned our lives way ahead. So that was the first thing. So, so he, call, he, he says that the works were finished from the foundation of the world. In Revelation 13 verse 8, the Bible describes Jesus as the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. This whole thing was finished from the foundation of the world. So when you're doing what God's already done, it's easy. So Israel gets to Canaan and they see the giants. What were they supposed to do? God said he was going to take them out. No, God wanted them to enjoy the feeling of victory. So you take your sword, even though the guy is towering above you, you move close to him. You know, and then when you swing your sword, 200 of them fall down. That's how Israel fought wars. <laughs> when they got into battle, then angels came. How will one put Will one put to flight a thousand or five put to flight a hundred? That's how it happened. Those people just didn't know what came on them. The whole scenario just changed. All God needed from Israel was for them to show up. Show up. That's all God wanted. And that's all God's expecting you to do. He wants you to show up. But you need to show up at the right place, at the right time, with the right set of people. Now that's what the Holy Spirit helps us to do. Oh my God. The Holy Spirit changed my life because he put me in alignment with destiny. It's so sweet when things work and you know this result is beyond your effort. That's how it works for me. <laughs> this, this, this result is beyond your effort. In our church, you know, every week when I stand before those thousands and thousands of people. The average Sunday, 22 to 25,000 people attending. And I, I just wonder, why do they come here? See, because I know there are pastors who pray more than I pray, who fast more than I fast, who, who teach revelations that are deeper than mine. They preach better. But the people come. And the first three years of the church, to, uh, I felt that the church wasn't growing fast enough. I was so frustrated that I told the ushers not to take the attendance anymore. Don't count the number anymore because every Sunday it was a source of pain for me. It was either the attendance went up by one person, it was the same as last Sunday, or it went down by one or two people. <laughs> you, you, can you imagine? And then now people come and I still think the same thing. Okay? It was just something that was missing. And the game changer helped me to get it somewhere along the line. Okay? So I'm just talking about how sweet it feels when you're doing work that has been finished from the foundation of the world. That's why the Bible calls it rest. It's sweet. Okay, let me use another word. Fulfillment. That thing that most people can't define, but they recognize it when they find it. Fulfillment. That's what people call success. That's what People search for desperately and people don't know where to find it. You won't find it in drugs. No way. You won't find it in drugs. That, what the Holy Spirit does for you, oh yes, you get something that looks like it from alcohol 
and from dogs, but it's drugs, but it's not it. Those ones destroy you. But the Holy Spirit gives you the same thing. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, Paul said, Do not be drunk with wine, in which there is excess or dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Why is he comparing the two? Similar characteristics. You remember the day of Pentecost? That when the disciples of Jesus were filled with the Holy Spirit, people looked at them and said, these guys are filled with wine. Why? It's the same effect. Okay? When, when people go to a bar and they drink and drink and drink, uh, you notice the chatter increases in volume. People talk. People who don't talk on a normal day like me, they begin to talk. They crack jokes. They tell stories. They laugh a lot, even at jokes that are not funny. <laughs> you understand? Okay. And then if they stay there long enough and they take some more, then they begin to see things that they will not see on a normal day. Am I right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh, but remember that Peter said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. That's it. <laughs> prophesy. Same thing. You're either filled with wine or you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You begin to talk. <laughs> okay? And then you begin to see things that you will not see on a normal day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was watching on TV one day. It was drama. This guy was drunk and he was on his way home. And there was this gutter. It was a very small one. I mean, the wheat was so small. I mean, it's something you just cross over with one stride. When the guy got there, he said, Hey! Hey! Oh my God, I almost fell inside that thing. Oh, you see things. And then, of course, some people, you know, they take enough to fall asleep. And that's where you dream dreams, okay? <laughs> what the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God does in your life, drugs can't give you, sex can't give you, um, money can't give you, accomplishment at whatever level can't give you. You will keep yearning for more. You will keep searching for what it is. Okay, you... you you, you know, I studied uh, about human needs, and I studied uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Abraham Maslow, uh, a psychologist, who said all human needs are not on the same level. He said at the lowest level, you have the need for food and drinks, physical needs. Uh, at the second level, the need for safety, shelter, protection. The third level, the need for love and belonging. The fourth level the need for esteem, respect, and you get that through accomplishment. And then number five, the need for significance. Somewhere along the line, your heart is going to be asking the question, what's life all about? The, the need for meaning. Okay? And Maslow said, you actually don't become fully aware of your needs at a particular level until the lower level needs are met. 
So until your need for food and for drink is met, you're not that bothered about it. It's not where to sleep that next time I'm hungry, I'm going to die. If you have the food and you have a house, you have shelter, then you become aware of your need for love. Who cares about love when you've not eaten? <laughs> you, you become aware of your need for love. <laughs> I have a word for guys here. You know, because when, when you don't have money and you and your wife, you know, are, you know, pinching the pennies, walking out, you know, trying to make the ends meet, and so on. The two of you walk together, and what you talk about all the time and pray about, you start to get some more money, and how to... And then, when you now have the money, and especially for a guy, then you can show love to your babe. You know, buy her gifts, take her out, and so on. And, and sometimes, you, you're surprised when she's she says, I know you don't love me. I know you don't love me. And, and the guy begins to wonder, when, when did this start? <laughs> you weren't saying this before. That's it. Now that the material needs are met, she's now aware. It's not that it wasn't there before. She likes to affect, she likes affection. But Affection takes second place when you've not eaten. Okay? Now that we have food and we have a house and we have nice cars to drive around, I have all the shoes and clothes that I need. Uh, Sir, the love is now important. (laughs) Okay? So then you get the love and then it talks about the esteem, the respect, the accomplishment. And, And then that's where people become stranded. Now you're the CEO, now you have the money, now you can you do all the vacations you want, now you have your private jet, now, now, now. And then you're surprised that your heart is still feeling empty. Somehow. Then you're asking, so is this what it's all about? In fact, you're surprised, your fears are now heightened. So am I sure I'll be able to sustain this? Okay? What if I die? What if I die? Then you don't want to die. (laughs) You want to stay around to enjoy the money. And Maslow, Abraham Maslow discovered that at the highest level is the need for significance. The need for meaning. And he found out that whereas at the lower levels your needs are met by getting at the highest level, the only way you will find fulfillment is for you to give, for you to add value to other people's lives. Isn't that interesting? So, the Holy Spirit helped me, repositioned me, aligned me with destiny. I love Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 30. Romans 8, 28 to 30. And we know that all things work together for good, To those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That was Jesus is our prototype. He says that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. So I love this fact that 
I am predestinated. My life was planned. But this is what then happens. When he predestines you, then he calls you. This he also called. And this was what the game changer did for me. He calls you into a relationship with himself. That's how God designed for man to function. That's how God designed for man to function. Man was never designed to go it alone. Never. Never. There's a sense in which you will never realize your potentials without being connected to God. So God calls you into a relationship with himself. Then he he says, whom he called, these he also justified. Why does he need to call us? Because the first man and the first woman made a mistake on our behalf. Have you ever wondered, how come just because Adam and Eve sinned, I also become a sinner and I was born one? Well, if you remember the biblical account, God formed man's body from the soil, but man's spirit and soul did not come from the soil. God breathed into his nostrils the bread of life. He became a living soul. And I'm sure you know it wasn't just air that God pumped into that body. If it was, we would have created human beings a long time ago. I would have squeezed some myself and breathed into their nostrils or gotten a pump and pumped air into them. It was more than that. God carved out of himself the raw materials with which man's spirit was made. When God breathed into his nostrils, God deposited in Adam's body the spirits of all human beings that would ever live on planet Earth. The word Adam means mankind. If you met Adam in the Garden of Eden and you shook his hand, you were shaking hands with mankind. That's why when he sinned and his spirit was corrupted, all of us were corrupted. So God calls us back into a relationship with himself. That's what he did. I was a student in school. I was an engineering student. I was a teenager. And there was a crusade on my campus. I attended the crusade. I gave my life to Christ. I did not imagine what that was going to do to my life. I'm telling you. I could not have imagined what that was going to do. But the first thing was the knowledge that God loved me and had forgiven me my sins. Now, now listen. Sin is not just an act. It's a nature. Sometimes we tell people you have to stop smoking. You have to stop this fornication. You have to stop sleeping around. You have to stop this so that you can come close to God. That's the wrong message. They can't stop it. Sin is not just an act. It's a nature. It's a nature. Okay? And I tell people your nature determines your future. You don't take a dog to a school to teach it how to bark. The bark is in the dog. (laughs) It's not because we sin that we are sinners. It's because we are sinners. That's why we sin. As long as the nature is there, the act will follow it. I, t- I made New Year resolutions before. You know, when I didn't have Christ in my life, I made New Year resolutions. I'm telling you, within a few weeks, those resolutions just fell apart. 
Can you imagine a dog making a New Year resolution? In the year 2014, I'm not back. <laughs> I am not going to back. I back. I've been backing too much. I'm not going to back in 2014. <laughs> well, maybe you can hold that for a few days or a few weeks, but if you hold a club and you're about to hit the head of that dog, the back will come out, I promise you. Okay, that's it. You can't tell a sinner not to sin. It's in the nature. It's in the makeup. Sin is in nature. So what happens the day we ask Jesus to forgive us our sins? What happens is literally a miracle. The spirit of God destroys the nature of sin, removes that nature, which is Satan's nature, removes it from our hearts and puts God's nature in our hearts. That God nature becomes our driving force. That's what gives us the capacity to do what is right. When Nicodemus asked Jesus in John 3, when he said, Rabbi, we know that no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Jesus said, Nicodemus, Nicodemus, it's deeper than you think. You see, I like it in the King James Version. John 3 verse 2, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus' focus was on doing. No man can do these miracles that you do. See, that's it. When somebody's achieving results, we are not achieving. Our assumption is that the person is doing something we're not doing. If I can just do what he or she is doing, then I'll get the same results. Sometimes right, many times wrong. You can do exactly the same thing and not get the same results. Yeah, I can back but not get the same results as a dog. <laughs> okay? Yeah. When Jesus replied Nicodemus, he didn't use the word do. That's why Nicodemus was confused. He said, except a man be. Being is different from doing. Being is in fact superior to doing. Being controls doing. Except a man be. Born again, he cannot see or experience the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, what are you talking about? Be born again, born the second time? So why did Jesus say born again? Why did Jesus say you should be born the second time? Because you, you, you got your nature when you were born. Okay, so Nicodemus said, you mean I should go into my mother's womb as old as I am? If I was there, I would say, Jesus, hold on, let me talk to this old man. Mr. Nicodemus, you were born by your mother. Look at all the problems you have. Look at all the things you're struggling with. Now you're requesting to go back into that womb, which is not even the same as it was when you were born. You want to compound your problems. Don't you think you should be born by someone better? Amen. So Jesus said in John 3 verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Amen. <laughs> okay. Because you derive your nature from the person who gave birth to you. Am I right? That's right. If you were born by a monkey, you're a monkey the rest of your life. Born by a dog, you're a dog the rest of your life. Jesus was telling Nicodemus, you're a human being because you were born by a human being. 
For Nicodemus, I'm introducing to you a higher level. You can be born by the Spirit of God. And when you are born by the Spirit of God, you get the nature of God. That nature takes you beyond the limits of human ability. Oh, thank you, Jesus. God's nature takes you beyond the limits of human ability. Takes your thinking beyond the limits of human ability. Okay? Gives you capacity to do what God can do. Now you have the nature of God. Today when we say born again, it sounds like a fad. People don't even understand what it means. But I'm telling you, when you are born again, born by the spirit of God, you have the nature of God. You have capacity to think like God, to talk like God, to interpret life or things or circumstances like God. That's what the game changer did for me when I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. So let me add, uh, and I'm going to pray. Those whom he predestinated them, he called. Those whom he called them, he what? Justified. Washes your sins away. To justify means to make qualified. I became qualified to stand in God's presence. I became qualified to stand before Satan without any sense of condemnation. Also, guilt is one of the most effective tools Satan has used on mankind. I'm telling you, you want to pray? He says, don't, don't try it. I know you. I know you. I know, I know what you've been up to. <laughs> don't try it. If anybody will ever pray, it's not somebody like you. Don't try it. <laughs> you know? But Romans 8 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> those whom he called them, he justified. And those whom he justified them, he glorified. Oh my God. That's it. That, see, God never made a failure. When he planned your destiny, he planned for it to end in glory. He planned for him to be able to walk through you to touch other people's lives. See, in phenomenal ways. So, um, after I got saved as a student, and I was an engineering student because I was, to, I was a director in my dad's construction company already. So, it was like there was a job waiting for me. My aptitude were not best in the sciences. I was good, but not the best, really. Maybe social sciences would have been better. But I, I struggled with the engineering courses, but I had to do it because I was inheriting an engineering company, okay? <laughs> A construction company. It was right in the middle of that. He called me. I got saved. Then I observed something, that I would begin to pray Especially in the spirit, while I'll be speaking in tongues, I'll just see like video in my imagination. He changed my thinking. Amen. The game changer changed my thinking. Oh my God. I would see myself standing before people to teach like this. And that was very strange for me because I was very reserved, very shy. I found it difficult to talk to individuals, not to to now speak of standing before crowds of people to speak. So if that was coming to me, it couldn't have been me. 
It could not be me. That was the Holy Spirit, the game changer. He taught me the power of the imagination. That equipment that God put in you. That helps you to turn impulses and ideas into pictures. Awesome equipment. Because that's the equipment that gives you the capacity to function in your nature of God. Takes you beyond the limits of human ability. Physically speaking, you're very limited. Very. I can be in only one place at a time. I can be here now and be in Lagos, Nigeria now. At the same time. And it will take me time to get there. Even if I decide I'm heading to the airport from here. In my imagination. Split second. I'm there. I can do just about anything. And the interesting thing. The way God wired us up. Anything. Any thought that can become dominant in that imagination. Like the film in a camera. Or the image in your memory card. That's what God prints out for you in real life. That's how it works. Remarkable. Hmm. He taught me to dream. When I didn't have money in my pocket, things were low, things were... That, that, that. that was my physical reality. He began to paint a new picture in my imagination. Oh, there's someone here. I see healing coming to your mind today. Because what Satan does is to build barricades, barriers in our minds through our experiences and then begins to define what is impossible or what is difficult for us. And once you think it's difficult or it's impossible, you won't get it. It won't work for you. Remember Hebrews 4 verse 1, let us therefore fare lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Verse 2 says, for unto us was the word preached as well as unto them. But the word that was preached did not profit them because it was not what? It was not mixed with faith in them that, listen, it doesn't matter the amount of anointing the Holy Spirit brings. What it meets in you is what it will work with. That's right. That's right. For as he thinketh in his heart. If your life is going to change, Romans 12, 2 has to happen. Be not conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by what? If there was another way for God to change your life, he would have said so. If God will change your life, he has to change your thinking first. Okay, let me close on this. It's exciting to think like Jesus. You need to ask yourself, how was Jesus thinking when he was here? I'll give you an example. In John chapter 6, verse 5, the Bible says, you see, Jesus had this crowd that had been with him for three days, and they were running out of food supplies. And then Jesus turned to Philip in John 6, verse 5. He said, where will we get bread for these people to eat? Philip said, sir, uh, even 200 penny worth of bread or 200 dinarai worth of bread is not enough to get food for these people to eat, even if we give each one a little. Philip's brain went straight to money. Aha. Now, when you function at God's level, wisdom will tell you, God didn't create money. Man did. Mm. God didn't create money. Man did. Money has not always been in existence. There was a time when people did trade by butter. Am I right? So you brought potatoes to the market. I brought tomatoes. We exchanged them depending on their relative value. That's what people did. So they paid for goods, paid for services with their tomatoes or potatoes. 
But it became too cumbersome to carry out financial transactions that way. Can you imagine? Potatoes. You want to pay your house rent, you take bags of potatoes to your landlord. So you want to buy school supplies for your kids, you take potatoes to exchange for the school bags. You want to buy a car, uh, uh, that has to be truckloads of potatoes. <laughs> it became too cumbersome. So people created money to represent the value of the potatoes. Right? There had to be potatoes. But the cowrie shells or the coins represented the value of the potatoes. See, real money is not the paper. It's value. Yeah, real, the real money is value. Money is only a means of exchange of value. Good. So, you see what I see today? God created man. Man created money. Man now uses the availability or non-availability of money to measure what God can do. That's a mistake. That's a mistake. See, when Jesus said to Philip in John 6, 5, where will we get bread for these people to eat? Verse 6 says, this he said to prove him, to test him. Because he himself knew what he was going to do. It was just a test. This guy's been hanging around me for a short while. Let me run a test on him, like they do in school. Let me test him. Philip's brain went straight to money. And Jesus fed that crowd without money. You belong to a system that is higher than the systems of the world. <laughs> Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. As the heavens are high above the earth, so are my ways above your ways, and my thoughts above your thoughts. See what the game changer has done to me. I don't think like the average person going on a road. Don't be conformed to this world. If you think like them, you end up like them. Okay? Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. How do you interpret things? Interpret your circumstances. The Holy Spirit, my game changer, is my interpreter. What people call problems, I see as opportunities. Yes, sir. Jesus got to the house of Jairus. Jairus' daughter had just died. Everybody was crying. And Jesus said, why all the noise? She's not dead. She's only sleeping. When someone dies, you put the person in a coffin. In a coffin. Jesus didn't see that girl in the coffin. Jesus didn't see her being buried. He saw her rising up. So to him, she was sleeping. See, when, when you see differently, you speak differently. So what was a problem for Jesus was an opportunity for resurrection, for healing. His friend Lazarus was dead. He said, or was sick, about to die. He said, this sickness is not unto death, but that the Son of Man should be glorified thereby. See, the circumstances that make some people poor are the exact circumstances that make others rich. Same circumstances. Life is not fixed. It's how you see it. Life is not fixed. It's how you see it. You see problems, that's what you get. You see opportunities, that's what you get. Now, who determines what you see? The game changer. The Holy Spirit. He does the interpretation for me. 
Awesome. So he's changed my life. Changed my physical body. Romans 8, 11. If the spirit of him that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he that raised Christ from the dead shall also make alive your mortal bodies. The power that raised Jesus from the dead. You know, when Jesus' body, when Jesus died, his body was completely drained of fluid. And the power of the Holy Spirit entered that body and brought it back up. Perfectly healed. Jesus wasn't limping. And he wasn't in pain when he resurrected. Perfectly restored. And the Holy Spirit that entered his body is the same Holy Spirit that's in me. I enjoy good health. I used to experience malaria over and over. And in Africa, malaria has killed more people than HIV AIDs. Yeah, that's the real big deal. Killed a whole lot more people even than Ebola, as bad as it is. And I used to have malaria over and over again. But somewhere along the line, just dropped off. Completely dropped off. The Holy Spirit helps me to enjoy good health. That's remarkable, isn't it? So when you're married, the Holy Spirit, listen, all of us have capacity to self-destruct. We're capable of doing crazy things. But the Holy Spirit helps your character. So we have the fruit of the Spirit. The love, the joy, the gentleness, the kindness, isn't it? the generosity, and even self-control. Oh my God, anytime I think about myself and I know the tendencies Satan worked in me when I was no year saved. Oh my God, I, I could have messed up big time. Loads of stupid things I could have done. But the words I say most frequently are, Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. Okay, so your wife said something, you want to get angry, and you feel like she deserves a, some good beating. <laughs> so why don't you ask the Holy Spirit what to, say, what to do first? It changes everything. One day like that, I was angry, one day like that, over nothing. And I, gratefully, I just said, Holy Spirit, what, what should I do? What do you want me to do? He said, tell her you're sorry. I said, me? <laughs> I should say sorry. I'm, I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong in this, issue, in this instance. I'm, I'm, I'm not the one that is wrong. <laughs> Why are you asking me to say sorry? He said, okay, no, I'm not judging the situation. Listen, I'm asking you to say sorry so you keep the lines of communication open. He said, in the first place, you should say sorry when you're wrong. But even when you're not wrong, he said, uh, say sorry is not always an admission of guilt. If, if, your, if your child falls down, bruises her knee, and you say, I'm sorry, it's not an admission. You're not the one who pushed the child down. It's to assuage the feeling of the child. He was teaching me, you know. Oh, he never fails. Oh, my God. Never fails. I've been talking about the Holy Spirit the third person of the Trinity, the game changer. And we read from Isaiah 32 that it doesn't matter how bad the situation has been. When he comes on the scene, ah, the desert becomes a fruitful field. The fruitful field becomes a forest. Yes, it's looking for this verse, Job 32 verse 8. It says, for there is a spirit in man 
And the inspiration of the Almighty gives him understanding. I used to be so broke. And this is what I want to say. You were designed to function under inspiration. Your spirit needs to be inspired. And it's the Holy Spirit that brings that inspiration. And when he does, he puts you on the same frequency with God. One, just one sentence, one idea from God can change your life. Can change your status. I want to say to someone here today, this service marks the end of struggling. Yeah. Marks the end of struggling with human ability. Yeah. The power of the Holy Spirit is coming into your life now. So God told Samuel in 1 Samuel 16, go to the house of Jesse. One of his sons is going to be a king. Pour oil on his head. And that oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, the game changer. In 1 Samuel 16, 13, the Bible says, And Samuel anointed David in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him from that day forward. Verse 14 says, And the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. That was the current king. And an evil spirit began to trouble him, to bother him. To the extent that he said, Can someone get me a young man who can play on the harp so I may be refreshed? And someone said, Oh, I know a young man. The son of Jesse, very wise young man, handsome young man, and very skillful. Now, the question for me is, verse 13, they pour oil on David's head. Verse 14, there's a problem in the palace. Is that a coincidence? No. Hallelujah. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, he creates opportunities for you. As I'm prophesying over you right now, as I'm prophesying over you right now, some things are happening for you outside here. I'm serious. He changes your life. David's father sent him back to run after sheep. God had to create a bridge from the bush to the palace. And the best way for him to do it was to create problems there. The king had a problem. And there was someone there to mention David's name. Oh my God, was that a coincidence? No. As I'm prophesying over you right now, there's someone here. Your name and your face is coming up in somebody's mind somewhere. It's remarkable. Now that the, the Holy Spirit works in my life, it's remarkable how the opportunities come for me. It's remarkable. No struggles. He does it. There's someone here. There's some document that has to do with you. It's been forgotten for a long time. Tomorrow morning, it's coming to the top of the pile. This season, someone will remember you. Somebody's going to think about you. Somebody's going to dream tonight and see you in the dream. Somebody's going to wake up tomorrow morning and you'll be the first thing to come up in the person's mind. There's someone here breaking free from sinful habits. You've tried to, you couldn't. Let the game changer do it. Let the game changer do it. Sin is a spiritual force. Your determination can't win against sin. Can't. But when the power of the Holy Spirit, you just, the desire just dies overnight. A desire dies overnight. Remarkable. Someone is being healed. Physically speaking. In this service. Someone is being healed. Oh, I, I see miracles happening and there are miracles of restoration of destiny. And this is what I mean. There's a place God designed for you to be as at now that you're not at. There's someone here, you, 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 you've been praying, you've been, you've been calling on God. I, I'm better than this. I should have gone further than this. I should have gone higher than this. 
Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. When the game changer comes into your life, miracles of restoration happen. I'm telling you. He restores lost time. There's someone here between now and the end of this year. What God will do in your life will be more than what he did the last 10 years put together. There will be divine acceleration. For someone here, it's supernatural promotion. I'm serious. Supernatural promotion. David became king. David became king. The day David saw Goliath, trained soldiers had listened to Goliath for 40 days and were afraid. How come when David saw Goliath, his reaction was different? That's it. Instead of fear, it was faith that came in David's heart. That's it. In the name of Jesus Christ, I prophesy, somebody here is free from fear. Faith will come up in your heart now. Courage will come up in your heart now. You'll wake up tomorrow, you'll know exactly the next thing to do. One phone call Somebody here is going to make a phone call. And that one phone call will change your status. The results you'll get will be different from the ones you got before now. I mean, rejection is finished. You will enjoy acceptance now. Oh, yes. Somebody's been hearing no. Each time you call, they say no. They say no. The no has turned to yes. The cycle of failure is broken. It's a new cycle of blessing now. Somebody's marital destiny is being fulfilled. And I see restoration for one family. In the mighty name of Jesus. Will you lift your hand to him and tell him. And and thank him. Holy Spirit, thank you. I want you to be my game changer today. Holy Spirit, be my game changer. Let my story be next. Let my testimony be the next one. Let my testimony. You can turn a desert into a fruitful field. You can turn a desert into a fruitful field. You know my life that was not working before can work now. You mean where there was no job, there can be jobs. Where there was no wife or no husband, there can be a wife or a husband. You mean where there was no health, there can be health. Where there was no money, there can be money. Where there was no job, there can be a job. Holy Spirit, be my game changer. Above all, ask him for alignment with destiny. Ask him for alignment with destiny. Holy Spirit, align me with my destiny. I wasn't born to roam around. I wasn't born to struggle, wondering what my life was all about. Above all, Holy Spirit, don't let Satan waste my destiny. Use me. Use me. As you say that prayer, I should remind you that the purpose of your life that your life is too small to be the purpose of your life. You are so loaded, you couldn't have been the only reason why God created you. He created you because of other people. That's what he helped me to discover. I took my attention off myself, trying to succeed. I just put the attention on other people. And I'm telling you, God's going to use you beyond your wildest imagination. Someone here today, you are receiving grace to discover your ministry, to discover your calling, to discover that one area where you will add value to humanity. In unusual ways. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, you, sweet Holy Spirit. Will you please stand with me as we pray? Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Heavenly Father. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. 
Because I have not spoken my words, I have spoken your words. And I ask even now, Heavenly Father, honor your words. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I stand under the authority of Christ, the one who died and who was raised from death by the power of the Father. I speak to the prince of the devil over Atlanta, over Georgia, over the United States, by the blood of Christ. And on the behalf of my brothers and sisters, I cast you down. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. I cast you down. In the name of Jesus. By the authority of Christ, I declare every curse pronounced against anyone under the sound of my voice, that curse is broken. Because of the blood of Christ. And now I prophesy the power of blessing. Be blessed. In the name of Jesus. Be blessed. In the name of Jesus. The cycle of failure is broken. Be blessed. In the name of Jesus. I prophesy you have a new level of spiritual authority. Jesus said, I give you authority to tread over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by enemies hurt you. Satan puts territorial spirits over cities and over nations. But now I declare concerning you, whatever you bind on this earth is now bound. Whatever you forbid is forbidden. I declare in the name of Jesus, the days of being a victim are over. Now you operate in authority. Where you spoke yesterday, nothing happened. When you speak now, the spiritual world will obey your voice. The material world will obey your voice. In the name of Jesus. When you enter a city, you will take over territories there. When you enter a nation, you will take over territories there. In the name of Jesus. I prophesy for each one here the spirit of revelation. A new level of wisdom. You will know what to do. The days of ignorance are over. The days of confusion are over. Now, when you pray, you will know what to do. The Holy Spirit will open your eyes. He will open your ears. You will see things you never saw before. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I see the heavens opened over this church. I see new visions coming. New dreams coming. Someone is going to get a new dream. New vision. You're going to see a new you. In the mighty name of Jesus. I prophesy a new level of favor. Favor. People will see you and love you. They won't be able to explain why. They will see you. They will love you. In the name of Jesus. Wherever you go, help will be waiting for you. In the mighty name of Jesus. I prophesy open doors. New opportunities for promotion. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I rebuke every spirit of disease under the sound of my voice. Go in the name of Jesus Christ. Receive your healing now in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I prophesy restoration. If Satan stole anything from you, I declare it's coming back now. Angels are working on your behalf. 
In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Finally, every human being was born a sinner. But one day, you hear the truth. Jesus paid for your sins, paid for my sins many years ago. There's no reason in the world why we should still have sin in our lives and not be qualified to have a relationship with God. This would be the most important prayer I would say here today. If you're that person, honest, who would say, Pastor, please pray with me that God should forgive my sins. I'm a sinner. I can't say that I'm a child of God. I can't say I have a relationship with God. Now that I know Jesus paid for my sins, I want Jesus. I want God to forgive me. Can you please put your hand on your heart where you are? I like to say short prayer to you. I'm a sinner. There's no point lying. There is no sin God cannot forgive because Jesus paid for all of them. You may have committed murder. You may have. It doesn't matter. Jesus paid for all of them. Perhaps you've been a Christian before. You've been a child of God, but you've backslidden into sin so much that if Jesus comes at this moment, you are not sure you will make heaven. You want to rededicate your life to Jesus. Can you please also put your hand on your heart? This is very, very, very important. Very, very, very important. Thank you, Lord. If your hand is on your heart, can you please remain standing while I ask others to sit? If your hand is on your heart, just remain standing. I'll ask others to sit. Short prayer, but it's a life-changing prayer you'll never regret. If you're standing, please say this prayer after me. Dear God, I believe that Jesus paid for my sins and I ask you to forgive me and to accept me as your child. Thank you for hearing me in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and my sisters who are standing. Thank you because we know there is joy in heaven right now over this decision that they just made. Thank you. Thank you because their sins are forgiven and the nature of sin is destroyed from their hearts. And the nature of God is coming to them now. Oh, thank you for this miracle. Miracle of change. We ask you, Lord, teach them to know you personally. And teach them to love you and to serve you the rest of their lives. Thank you, mighty God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please do have your seats. God bless you. Let's give them a big hand.